This is the last portion in the Olivet Discourse we're reading in Matthew chapter 25. We're going to start reading from verse 31. Matthew 25, verse 31. Again, this is still this long discourse, probably the longest discourse in the Scriptures. And we've been in this for some time. This is the, the last main teaching that, that, uh, that we see, a, a big, big chunk of teaching. And it was, it was uh, initiated by three questions from the disciples. The questions were, when is the destruction of Jerusalem going to occur? What is the end of the age? And what is the sign of your second coming? And so what he's done is he's already described all of those, but then he went on to talk about the rapture. And now he's closing with a judgment portion. And, and for those of you that don't like to come to church and hear about judgment, I just don't know what to do about that. It's right there in the Bible. We're going through the Bible and there it is. So, so I'm not proclaiming this, but Jesus is. And this portion is a portion on the judgment of the Gentiles. We've already seen the judgment come upon the Jews that he's spoken about, what's going to come upon them. Now it's judgment of the Gentiles. So for those here who are not Jewish, this, this pertains to your community. And, and uh, this is the judgment that's going to come upon the Gentiles. And actually, we, we probably will continue on this next week and seeing that this judgment was also prophesied in the Old Testament. Joel chapter 3 talks about this same event. So Joel in the Old Testament talks about this same event. And Jesus is describing some things that aren't specifically described, uh, talked about in, in, in Joel. And so remember the tribulation period, the church is going to be raptured. After that, sometime after that, we don't know how long after that, the tribulation will occur. The tribulation is seven years. The Bible is very specific. That it's 1260 days for the first half, 1260 days for the second half, it tells us in the book of Daniel, plus an added 30 days at the end of that, where, more, where, where judgment of, of the Antichrist will take place. And then there's another 45 days. And that's why in Daniel it says, Blessed is he who, who remains to 1,335 days. So you have this, this 1260 plus 1260 plus 30 plus 45. It says 45 days. This is where the judgment of the Gentiles is going to take place. And then, and then, uh, and then starts the, 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 new, the new era with, with uh, the new kingdom. This is what's going to be taking place during that 45-day period that's following the tribulation. It's this judgment period of the Gentiles. It's gonna, this is going to take place in, in the Kidron Valley. The Kidron Valley is, is uh, between the Temple Mount and the Mount of Olives. Jesus would often minister in the Temple, then He'd go down into the valley, back up on the other side to the Temple Mount. It's a big valley between the Temple Mount and the Mount of Olives. That's the Kidron Valley. It's sometimes referred to in the Bible as the Valley of Jehoshaphat. That is the, the location where this judgment is going to take place. And we know that from reading in the Old Testament in the book of Joel. Now Jesus begins to describe this in, verse, in Matthew chapter 25, verse 31. So now we have the context. But when the Son of Man comes in His glory, all the, and all the angels with Him... Then he will sit on his glorious throne, and all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them from one another, as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right, and the goats on his left. 
So when, this, when the Bible refers to generally in the Old Testament and the New Testament alike, when it talks about Jerusalem, when it talks about Israel, he's speaking about the Jewish people. When he's referring to the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, often they're referred to as the nations. The nations. These are the external nations. And this word here that you see in verse 32, all the nations will be gathered before him. In the New Testament, this same Greek word is often translated Gentiles. If you look in a, in a Hebrew Bible, in a Hebrew, in a Hebrew New Testament, that word is translated goyim, which is Gentiles. This is the judgment of the Gentiles. It's again in the same in the book of Joel, speaking about the nations. This is the Gentiles coming around. He says, when all the nations are going to be gathered before him, and then he's going to separate them, he's going to separate the Gentiles into two groups. He's going to put one group on his right hand that he's referring to as sheep, the other group on his left hand that he's referring to as, as goats. And then verse 34, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. These brothers are not among the sheep or the goats. These brothers are not part of the the sheep and the goats group. They are part of another group. This is the Jewish people. This is what he's referring to. The Jews have already been judged. Their judgment is done. We've dealt with that a lot. Now he's saying to them, to the extent, so this is speaking to those who have survived the tribulation period, this seven-year period. They've survived this, this battle of Armageddon. And these are the Gentiles that who, who have survived. He is telling them, to the extent that you did this to these remaining Jews that were here, during the tribulation period, you have done it to me. Now, we are going to apply this to our own lives and to the lives of people around us. That's the application of it. But we know this is very specific. And how, how, how do we know this more? Because when we read in Joel chapter 3, which we'll do next week, we'll see how it's very specific. You did this to the Jewish people. This is the outcome of this. By this, he reflects upon their faith. And, and he says to them, I was a stranger, you invited me in. I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. And it says in verse 37, then the righteous will answer him. So Jesus is speaking about this group that is on his right hand, this group of Gentiles, and he's calling them righteous. And he says to them, he says to them, uh, um, uh, Truly I say to you at the end of that portion, to the extent that you did it to one of these my brothers, even the least of them, you did it to me. And so you see also in verse 34, he says, Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. It was always his plan from the time the world was founded to have the kingdom of God open not just to the Jewish nation, but to the Gentile nations as well. This was prepared for them from the foundation of the world. And he's reaching out to them. He's saying, this has been prepared for you. 
These are ones that did not go in the rapture. The rapture is already done with. These are ones that came to the Lord, knowledge of the Lord, after the rapture. And he says, to the extent that you did it to these Jewish brethren of mine, you did it to me. Then in verse 41, he speaks about the negative of it. Verse 41, then he will also say to those on his left, depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they themselves will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So you see that, <clears throat> that he speaks something very differently about those on, that he separates them. Remember, that's this 45-day period after, after the, the seven-year tribulation, after the dealing with the Antichrist, this 45-day period, this judgment will take place in the Kidron Valley, the Valley of Jehoshaphat. Very specific. The Scripture tells us exactly where it's going to take place. You say, how could the Scriptures be that specific? The scripture, Scriptures are high specificity. People think it's generality. It's not. It's extremely specific of things into our lives and things of what's going to happen. In the Kidron Valley, the Valley of Jehoshaphat, this judgment will take place. And he, he talks about this. And next week, we're going to deal specifically with the Jewish nation. We're going to deal with what they were to do and what they weren't to do with the Jewish nation. And then we will see, I'll take you through it historically, that covenant with Abraham, those who bless you, I will bless, those who curse you, I will curse, God told Abraham. And you will see the outworking of this blessing and cursing, starting in the book of Genesis, working throughout the scriptures, working past biblical history into the current day. And we'll take a look at this so that God could begin to recalibrate us, lest we start picking up a case against Jews. Because this very portion is very specific. It's to anti-Semitic versus pro-Semitic. This is what this talks about, and it's very specific in the book of Joel. And we'll look at that next week. But the application of this extends way beyond that. The application of this can extend into our lives today. And that's what we're going to address today. Tomorrow we'll get, or next week we'll get into the specifics of what it meant for the Jewish nation and where we should begin to look at this and view this lest we open up problems for ourselves because we don't judge the Jewish people rightly. All right, so let's deal with this first of all with respect to, to our own lives. So he, he speaks to them, he says, look, I was hungry, I was thirsty, you gave me something to eat. Then he says, in that you have done this to other people. But look at the specificity here in, in exactly what it is. He says, come, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. He is saying, you are going to have great joy. And here's what you did. He says, I was hungry, you gave me something to eat in verse 35. Very specific. I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. He doesn't say, you sold me some food. He says, you gave me something to eat. It's specific where he takes something from us 
where we take something of our own and we give it to another. It's not sold, it's given. He says, I was thirsty and, and you, gave, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. You know how easy it is to ignore strangers? Well, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a part of this group, you know, I'm kind of, kind, kind of settled here. But there are strangers in our midst. He said, you need to specifically welcome the stranger. Just because you are settled in the place where you are, doesn't mean that you shouldn't reach out to the other. This is what the Bible, the Scriptures call us to do. Constantly calling us beyond ourselves into something better. I am shy. Now, now my wife bursts out laughing when I, when I say that. But I really am. I would just assume to sit quietly and not have to engage with anybody. And just have maybe like one or two friends that I'd hang out with. That's it. But the Scriptures call me to be different. They call me to step out and exercise the gifts that God has given me. And they call me to engage with people of the world. It's interesting that Christianity went from being brand new with 11 disciples, because one of them hung himself, with 11 disciples to within 150 to 200 years to be the dominant world religion. This has been studied by people. And do you know why they became, Christianity became the dominant world religion? Well, the hand of God. Okay, great. But specifically, what was different about Christianity that Judaism wasn't doing? And it was that they reached out to those who were poor and those who were sick and to those who were needy. By doing this, they, Christianity became the dominant world religion because Jesus specifically calls us to do this. We are comfortable. He says you are to leave that comfort and reach out to others. You see a new person in the community, a new person at work. It is your obligation as a believer, my obligation as a believer to step out and to greet that person and to welcome that person. We see somebody hurting. We are obliged to help them. Jesus calls us to do this. He calls us to be different in this way. He said, and you gave me something. He says, I was a stranger. You invited me in. You didn't just say, hey, welcome. Hey. He says, you invited me in. You invited me into your home. That's the difference that He calls us to. The vast majority of people never invite anyone into their home unless they're good friends with them. Jesus calls us to be very different, to have open homes. He's called us to this. When I was in college, I, the last two years of my college, I lived in a discipleship house that was part of a local church. And in this discipleship house, so there, there were, there were uh, ten Christian guys living in this house. And we had to, part of our job, part of, we were obliged to invite somebody in to have dinner with us once a week where we were to cook a nice meal and we were college guys just like you. You know, just, you know, the only knives we had were like pocket knives. I mean, we just didn't have the utensils and all the things that, that, that people normally have. But we were to invite people in and we were not to serve them on paper plates. We were to bring out regular dishware and serve them. And so what we would do is we would find, say, a single mother in the church 
and we would invite her to come and have dinner with us with her children. And we would just get to know them. This is how I learned how to do this. And then the pastor would have these weekly meals in his home where he would just invite lots of people. Well, lo and behold, where do you think we learned this? And this is actually where I met my wife, was at one of these meals. She was part of the church too and serving in these meals. And so people then have seen the way we do this and they do it in their homes now that they leave. And then after I graduated from there, I went to graduate school. I wasn't yet married. We were engaged that year. And in my first year of graduate school, I had learned how to do this. So I lived in the graduate dormitory, but I would invite guys into my room from the floor. And I would buy these boxes of chocolate and I would serve them hot chocolate. And we'd have chocolate and hot chocolate. just have them in my room. Whatever I had, I wanted to give them because Jesus calls us to do this. Not because, oh, I really want to do this. No, I really want to sit alone. (laughs) But we're called to do something different for the Lord. He says, I was a stranger and you invited me in. It is an intentional act of going beyond where we feel comfortable. This is what he calls us to. Intentional acts of doing something that take us beyond ourselves. And you can't hide behind this shyness. I'm just a timid guy. The scripture says he has not given us a spirit of timidity. He's not given us this. So it must have come from somewhere else. And, and he says that we're to reach out. He says, I was naked and you clothed me. You gave me clothes. Specifically, we were supposed to do this. And there were times I have known people to take their own coats and to give it to new international students that were coming into the country that needed a coat. Just... I saw a guy just take the coat off his back and say, you can't be in this town. This was in Syracuse, New York, like this, without a coat. The guy had just arrived. He took the coat off his back and he gave him his coat. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. It wasn't just, you know, sending him a text. I hope you feel better. You visited me. It is something that somebody's sick. You visited me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. You know, it's not easy to get into a prison. It's not. You've got to go through all these things and all this. And you get, you, you know, they check you over like you're a criminal yourself. And he said, I was in prison. And you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or naked and, you, and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them. You did it to me. To the extent that you did it to another, you did it to me. Do you see how Jesus calls us out of our own place of comfort? All of us have had this experience where we're the, we get a new job and we're just you know, the new kid on the block. and you know, Everybody's got their little cliques and, and everything and you're, you're the new person. And you know how, can you recall how refreshing it was when somebody would come and welcome you in? When someone would come and begin to engage and speak with you? As believers, this is what He calls us to. This is our job. We are obliged to do this as believers. And Jesus said, when you do it to another, you've done it to me. When you do this to another, you have done it to me. It is how we, we, we treat others that Jesus himself views this 
as doing it to him. I knew a guy that, that they used to have these, these church meals. And, and uh, this guy wasn't married. And, and uh, uh, the church would say, everybody bring something for the meal. And he would go out and with a pocket knife, he would buy all the different vegetables and chop it all up and make a nice salad for this. Just whatever he had, he did. You say, may say, well, I'm not wealthy. You take whatever you have. When you invite people to your home and you have gatherings at your home, don't put out a plate. Don't put out a plate to get money. Just take what you have. It is amazing that when you give of what you have, you get more. The assets are there in order to be gracious and to give and to share with others. Let's, let's look at, at uh, Proverbs. Let's look at uh, uh, Proverbs chapter 19. Proverbs chapter 19. And we're going to read verse 17. Proverbs 19, verse 17. One who is gracious to a poor man lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his good deed. If you are gracious to a poor man, it says it's like you're lending to the Lord. What happens with lending? With lending, you get paid back. You're gracious to a poor man. It's like lending to the Lord. The Lord will repay you. The Lord repays. The Lord is the one. Can you imagine that? You be gracious to another. You give what you have for another. And the Lord gives you back. Proverbs 11.24 there, there is one who scatters and yet increases all the more. And there is one who withholds what is justly due, and yet it results only in want. I mean, think about this. One would think, if you were just viewing this entirely analytically, that the one who withholds what belongs to another, doesn't even distribute what belongs to another, you would think that that one would have the most. Because they've withheld everything. Nothing has gone out. They're a black hole. Everything comes in, nothing goes out. You would think that they'd have the most. But the Bible says it's just the opposite. The one who scatters, there's one who scatters, yet he increases all the more. When you are gracious and you give, you get all the more. Because who sees this? The Lord sees this and He gives you more to be able to exercise that gift. He gives you more. And what you'll find is that there are people who are jealous about all that you have. But the Lord keeps giving you more. He just dumps it on you. When you are gracious to others, you get all the more back. That is what the testimony of Scriptures is. This is what He calls us to. There's one who scatters and yet increases all the more. The Bible says you give so that your left hand doesn't even know what your right hand is doing. How can that not be? This guy knows what this guy does. How how, how could it not be? The only way it could not be is that I'm giving so much I lose track. You just give so much that you lose track. I live with a giver. My wife gives so much. And, and w- when she cooks these lunches, she doesn't just cook for the number that are coming. She cooks for much more. And then after she sends people away with plates and everything, then you know what she does? She, she gathers it all up in boxes. And then she goes and she takes it to poor families. That's what she does. So her Sunday is just, she leaves the house at like, at 6.30 in the morning, she's already on the phone with, 
with Randall's and with, with, with Einstein's bagels, getting the breakfast stuff ready. And then after everybody leaves the house, she's boxing stuff up to take it to people. You know, sometimes I, I, I just like to go to a refrigerator and just look in it. You know, just not to eat, you, you know, you just see what's there. Just look. <laughs> and then I come back and what happened to all the food that was here? <laughs> oh, I gave it away. I gave it away. Oh. <laughs> I could have had some of that. But that's who my wife is. That's what she does. She just gives it away. And, and uh, I have this uh, thing, this, this app on my cell phone, so, so that um, uh, every time that, that she, she swipes the credit card, I get this little ding, and it, it comes on my cell phone. And I just see these hundreds and hundreds of dollars in, 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 the, in the supermarket. It's like, uh, <laughs> hard. <laughs> but it's so amazing that God just keeps giving keeps giving. And, and uh, um, God has blessed us so much. I, I, get, I get paid much more than other faculty members. Why is that? Why is that? Is it because we scatter? So he gives us all the more? And sometimes I even say, just go easy on us for the rest of the month. Please just go easy on us. And she just totally ignores me. Totally ignores me. And, and uh, it just, just uh, uh, because she's a giver. She just scatters. And what I have seen is, it, is that not only has He poured out blessings on us, I see what He's done for our children. Just wherever they go in the world, there are people that watch out for our children. When you scatter, you increase all the more. If you are selfish and you say, oh, this is mine, you know, this, is, this is my pizza, this is my stuff. and It, it says that, that, that it will result only in want. But if you're gracious and you let this thing go, you will get all the more. This is the testimony of Scripture. And as believers, we are obligated to do this. Jesus puts, us, puts this before us. And He tells us, this is the way we live as believers. This is the way people in His family are to respond. You have a little room. Let that room be used for the Lord. Let it be used for prayer meetings. Let people come in. They track up the place. They do stuff. But let them come in. Let it be used for the Lord. And you will be greatly blessed. You will be greatly blessed. And he says, come on in. Enter the joy of your master. I've got a kingdom prepared for you. And what happens is you will end up having a grateful attitude. You'll have a happier attitude by learning to give. And this is something that is learned. It is intentional. It's not just something that you fall into. It is intentional acts of giving for another. Intentional acts of visiting those who are sick. Intentional acts of doing things for those who are sick. I remember when I was living in the dormitory as an undergraduate. And, and I was sick. There was one guy on the floor. He was with Navigators Campus Ministry. And he'd come to my room. He says, let me get you something. Let me get you something. And... and uh, you know, he'd go and he'd get me food. If things were already closed, he'd go out and he'd buy me something and he'd bring it back. There are things that you can do no matter where you are to reach out. It is not, okay, when I get a house and I get a real good job, that's a lie. It'll never happen then. It starts right where we're at, right now. You learn how to give and to be gracious.
Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for Your Word, for the truth of it. Father, I pray that You would make us more like Jesus, who poured out His life for others, who distributed food for others, who didn't want to send people away hungry. Father, I pray for these young people that You would so get hold of their lives that they would learn to be gracious. They would learn to be gracious and give. Father, I pray that they would take this passage to heart. And Lord, for those here who don't know You, who've never opened their hearts to You, Father, I pray that they would open their hearts to say, Lord, forgive me because I am a sinner and come into my life. And so they would see their hearts liberated to do good. Father, open their hearts, I pray. And Lord, I pray that from these young people here, thousands upon thousands of people would be blessed because of the generous lives of these young people here. And I lift that up to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.